Welcome back to the program. Let's pray in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord our God, you are risen from the dead. You have conquered death. You've conquered sin. You've conquered all the consequences of sin and death in our lives. Lord our God, we love you, and we are in desperate need of you. We believe that you are a God who heals. You are the divine physician. Help us to understand more, Lord, how you desire to heal. Help us to have expectant faith, Lord, that you will come to heal. We are not worthy, Lord, of your mercy, of your generosity towards us. And so, Lord our God, we ask today that you would give us um, your favor, your tender kindness, so that we would never settle for less than what you are ready to do in our lives. And we make this prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, yesterday I reflected quite a bit on the call to be a bishop, and in it more broadly than just brings out just the concept that we, we all have a call. Even though I was focused in on the concept of being a bishop, you know, the bishop episcopos, overseer, the one who is the one who oversees the community, there's a way in which we are all overseers. We, at least at a minimum level, right? You do you do recognize that you are an overseer of your own life. The gift that God has given you in uh, creating you. Uh, you're the steward of that. You are overseeing. You're managing, if you will, the stewardship of your own life. And it's my sincere and profound hope that neither you nor I waste that gift, that we don't let things that just don't matter crowd out the things that really do matter. They say, you know, be the curse of living in interesting times, right? It, it feels like times are getting more interesting. Just yesterday I was having a conversation with a woman who was saying that, we have been shaken loose out of our apathy. And what she meant by that wasn't that uh, they were truly, like she was truly apathetic. Um, and this was about like things unfolding in our society today and about the need to get involved, right? You hear me talk about that quite a bit, that we are to stand up, speak out, push back against uh, the ways in which our society is betraying authentic humanity, as well as betraying our Catholic, Christian, and Judeo-Christian traditions that God has given uh, to the world. We live in a moment since Christ has been revealed, since the church has grown, since Christendom had been established, and now it has been, um, it has been um, decaying, if you will, and the influence of Christianity has diminished. And now we live in this interesting time where, hey, wait a minute, what is to be discarded versus what will be recovered? And a lot of this is going to be up to you and me. I, you might think, okay, now I don't have a, a lot of overseeing responsibility, but you have more than you know. Just for instance, in this one conversation I had with this woman, she was saying how there was a group that she was involved in that um, had a political um, like uh, essence to it, right? It was involved in politics, but 
she said that in the last in the last eight months since the last election that the size of this group has doubled. And this sense of urgency, this sense of solicitude over what's happening, it's like, you know what, we got to pay attention now. It's time for us to pay attention because what we do really matters. And if we don't take action, what's going to happen? So that general atmosphere, that general attitude of saying, I realize there's a lot at stake and I'm caught up in the drama. I may not have chosen to be part of this time. I may not have chosen or wanted to have my comfortable life where I just got to be involved in my own stuff has, well, it's diminished. It's diminishing quickly. And all of a sudden now, if we don't play a more significant role, if we don't play a more a serious part, recognize the part that's ours and, and take the action that we can take the action that we can not the action that you can't, but take the action that you can. You're going to, uh, you're going to have an impact just like this woman did. Uh, when she said to me, we need to wake up more people to this realization that we've got stuff to do. We've got to roll up our sleeves and get out into uh, the uh, the civic activities, the political activities, the the things that are going to bolster what we believe in and come against the things that are attacking and undermining it. So I love it. And in fact, what is that? That is very much a sense of vocation. That's a vocation, right? With a gift comes a stewardship, and the stewardship takes a, it kind of coalesces around the idea of a call, right? You've been called into existence and you've been called into existence with a purpose. There's a purpose in mind. There's a plan in mind that doesn't, and, and you get that, right? You, I think you get that. If you ponder your own human experience, what do you discover? When you're, when you wake up and you get to work and you're doing stuff that is meaningful to you, stuff that has a sense of purpose, even a a sense of mission accomplishment. You see tangible results. You you see forward progress. Don't you feel good? Don't you feel like, yeah, I feel alive. I feel like, what a great day. And, And great day, it could mean productivity. I got a lot done. But I think that a great day is is more than just quantity. It's also quality. It, it's also meaningfulness connected to that which got done. This is how we're made by the God who created us. And so grab onto that human experience, mine it a little bit, and then stop and say, what about in our relationship with God? What about in your personal relationship with God? Do you have one of those days, do you, what do, what do those days look like where you feel like at the end of the day, my relationship with God, wow, forward progress, man, that was meaningful. Or I, I felt like the purpose for which I was created as it relates to my relationship with God, that God took pleasure in that, that God delighted in that. Isn't that a cool thing? <laughs> Wasn't that an amazing like, way to look at life? This is connected to vocation. 
So every now and again, I have the blessing of going to daily mass at a cloistered convent. And in the cloister, you don't get to see these religious sisters, these consecrated religious women, these nuns who live their lives behind monastery walls. They've been called, they've been beckoned, they've been magnetically drawn by the love of the Lord into a vocation, into a status, a state in life, into a whole way of seeing the depths of their being that is fundamentally, essentially connected to their relationship with God. And to hear them sing at Mass, to hear them sing in the, the, the chants, this is in Latin, by the way, so I, I can't always follow it. <laughs> well, actually, be a little more humble. I, I rarely am able to follow it as they are singing the parts of the Mass but I do know this, it's impactful. These sweet voices of, of faces that I, I can't see because they're behind a, a curtain, like a thick curtain separates them because they are hidden from the world. They're present at mass, but hidden from the, the assembly, from those that have come to mass. But they're there. And they are showing us they're showing us what the church teaches about their vocation is that they are in some ways giving us a glimpse of the life of heaven. For in the life of heaven, yes, it's our relationship with the Lord that takes center stage, that takes the central focus, that is what we're there for. We're there to lovingly worship the Lord, to praise Him, to receive His love, and to love Him in return with all our hearts, souls, minds, and strengths, to do that in a perfect fashion. And these sweet sisters living this cloistered life, are they being productive? Are they being efficient? Are they getting a lot of stuff done? What is it that is, is actually being produced by them? Is that a measure for their life? As my philosophy professor would say, nay, nay. <laughs> it, it's not about what is measurable and visible in some quantifiable way, but rather it's this invisible, hidden, going deeper into the heart of God going deeper into their loving and being loved by the creator of the universe, who is their loving father. It is living out their vocation to be a bride of Christ. And I'm why am I focusing on that? I'm focusing on that because they are exemplars. They are, in some ways, showing us who live in the world the uh, something that is more ideal, the putting to a first place to make primary one's relationship with God. Now, it's the primary relationship. Okay, did you hear that? It's your primary relationship, but is it the primary relation? Is it the primary thing you're focused on? And the answer is no. If we live in the world, that's not the gift that we've received. That's not our call. But we still have 
the necessity of focusing on that relationship with Jesus, developing our relationship with the Lord, if all the stuff that we're going to do on earth, the jobs, the tasks, the projects, the hobbies, the clubs, the activities, the entertainment, all the stuff that we do, all the people we hang around with, all the activities we get our kids involved in, if somebody, those things can't get traced back to our relationship with the Lord, whether the our relationship with the Lord is my relationship with the Lord and your relationship with the Lord, or whether it's our, namely like my family, my family's relationship with the Lord, if I'm not able to do that, then something's wrong. Something's off. Are you tracking with me? You see, today I'm, I'm, I'm beginning with a reflection. It's a, it's a reflection that's rooted in human experience, and it's rooted in the theological interpretation of our human experience as our Catholic tradition in, the scripture, in accord with the scriptures has laid it out, that you will find and are called to find meaning and purpose in your life through your outward action and activity in this world. But it will be fruitless. It will ultimately be frustrating. Ultimately, it comes to naught if we are, if we are unable to trace that back to a rich, fruitful relationship with the Lord. For what does it profit a man to gain the world and lose his whole soul? Jesus tells the parable of the rich man who uh, has his grain bins full and he wants for nothing. And what should I do? I'll tear down these grain bins and build, build bigger grain bins. And what does Jesus say? You fool, this night your soul will be required of you. And now where will all your possessions go? Isn't that a prophetic word that could be spoken in some ways to this moment in history where we have been diverted? We've been swindled into a, a focus on the things of this world, the things that are measurable and visible, the things that will gain the esteem and applause, the things that will allow us to have more influence and access to more stuff more experiences, a greater sense of security, a greater sense of access, ability to access stuff or to protect ourselves from other stuff. All that stuff can come from the pursuit of worldly goods. But worldly goods, these are treasures that moths will destroy and rust will just decay versus treasure in heaven. Treasure in heaven and treasure on earth are not always easily compatible. They don't always easily stay together. But that's our vocation, different than the religious sisters who are cloistered. They've been held in reserve. They've been set apart from the daily activities in order to set themselves in a more intense focus on the Lord. When we come back, I'm going to continue to reflect on this and build out this concept of vocation in relationship to healing. Welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Curran. It's great to be with you today. Today I'm reflecting on the theology of vocation and the vocation to be a theologian. I'm kind of exhibiting the vocation to be a theologian. Theologian is called to do what? It's to help the community of faith be able to explore and appropriate and live the deposit of the faith. It's not the goal of the theologian to speculate and to cause um, cause uh, the disturbance of the faith of those who 
have not been um, given the opportunity or or maybe had developed the capacity to develop deep theological reflection and thereby coming across as clever and condescending and and somehow being more fully enlightened that is a, that's an intellectual pride that's arrogance that is not the call of the theologian the call of the theologian is to help the people of God the community of faith be able to understand appropriate and live their Catholic faith more fully by how they expound upon it, expose it, share it, talk about it, teach it. And yes, even advance the understanding of the church as a whole, of the gift that was given in this deposit of the faith. That's a pretty striking thing. And so um, today I've been beginning with this, just this like basic reflection, basic meaning at the foundation, this basic reflection that says, uh, and it all came from like a 30-second conversation I had earlier today with a woman who said, I have been shaken out of my lethargy, out of my apathy and my lethargy. I had to get more involved because of what I saw that was happening. And that is something that I'm hearing so much more often. But is it going to happen quickly enough for us, for, for you, for me? Because we are all episcopoi. We are all overseers, at least of our own lives, if not of the lives of others as well. First of your own life, but then of your neighbors, those that are around you, those that you influence, those that you see every day. Every interaction is going to leave some impact, some impression that will be traced back to your relationship with God. Let me say that again. I don't think you heard it. The quality and depth of your relationship with God is manifest in every conversation, every every situation, every place where you show up and have an appearance. Did you get that? What in the world am I saying? I'm saying that Jesus Christ, the living Lord, the more vital, vibrant, the more profoundly is your communion with him in the secrecy of your prayer that will become manifest it will radiate it will create an atmosphere around you like wearing perfume if you spend your time in a smoke-filled bar versus you you spend your time in a I don't know, a, a fresh garden of <laughs> flowers, um, and you, you get some kind of beautiful, fresh, uh, refreshing perfume, and you walk into another setting, it's going to give off. It's going to radiate. If you um, have just spent time in loving ways with friends and family and was full of enjoyment, where you smiled and laughed and had a great sharing, where you received and gave, where you were accepted and, and found others acceptable, you had just uh, the great time of your life and then you leave that and you come to another setting versus you're in a situation where you're in relationships that are in conflict, that are hurtful, mean, uh, where there is uh, harsh things spoken, said and done. And then you come from that setting back into a group. How you are in communion radiates. How you are in communion radiates. These dear sweet sisters behind the cloister, they, I don't even see their faces. I, I can barely hear their voices because of their singing is, is so petite. It, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's diminutive, if you will. It's self-effacing. They're not drawing attention to themselves with their beautiful voices. But boy, it has an impact. 
It has a powerful impact. It's moving. Did you hear that? It's moving. These sweet voices of these women that I'll never see move me in my prayer. There's power that flows from us living in a correct way. Our fundamental relationships, our primary relationship. If you want to have greater impact in the world, don't just try to get more money, power, and fame. Don't try to just simply get more position, influence, uh, and uh, a platform. No, grow in holiness. Grow in holiness. Go deeper in your prayer life. Be more committed to pray and fast. Seek out spiritual disciplines. Uh, and, and Okay, those things. It's easy to say a list. Let's just be concrete. When you get up, get up a little bit earlier and give the first portion of time of your day to prayer. Do that. Do you want to radiate something that's more peaceful, life-giving, light-bringing, and joyful into your relationships? Anybody want to say no to that? Nobody wants to say no to that. Nah, I'm not interested in bringing peace, life, light, joy, and refreshment into my relationships. Not interested in that. Okay, if we're interested in it, are we willing to take the steps to radiate it? You can't manufacture it. You can't cause it. You can't make it happen. But if you immerse yourself in the presence of the Lord and you welcome the Lord's presence in your life, you will carry that presence forth into your day. That is not a made-up theory. That is the wisdom of the doctors of the church, the great saints of the church. It's the wisdom of the scriptures and our tradition. Moses communes with the Lord on the mountain of God, and when he comes down, what happens? His face is so bright. It's so radiant, the people cannot even look at him. They cannot even look at him. He has to put a veil over his face. From the communion that he had with the Lord, went forth a radiance into the relationships where he was. Look at Jesus. All Jesus has to do is show up on the scene, and demons manifest. Demons cannot take the presence of the Holy One of God. The Gospel of Mark, the first interaction Jesus has before performing a miracle is an exorcism. Why? He shows up in the synagogue, in the synagogue, and all of a sudden this guy runs up shrieking, I know who you are. You are the Holy One of God, holy. Why does he know that? Well, because Jesus is in perfect, infinite union with the Father. And there were glimpses of that holiness that were made manifest in his humanity. And that holy presence made manifest had a power to cause the realm of darkness to be exposed to be silenced, to be cast out and overthrown. Wouldn't you like that? Wouldn't you like that to be how it is that you show up? Now, okay, you're saying, okay, that's Moses, that's Jesus. St. Paul, no, St. Peter. St. Peter, okay, 
See, Peter, when he was performing his ministry, they would drag people out so that when he passed by, just his shadow would pass over them. There was something so radiant from the life of St. Peter that he, when just passing by, would radiate something of God's holy presence that could heal. St. Paul, it's mentioned that there were handkerchiefs that they touched to Paul that they would then take and they would use for their holy purposes of healing. St. Philip Neri. St. Philip Neri, he is the founder of the Oratorians, 16th century, the apostle of joy. Uh, he radiated joy, but he also radiated holiness. And he had many follow him. It was magnetic. Many began to follow him. And those who were her, his closest followers, when they would be harassed, distressed, or facing severe temptations, they would come to him, and all he had to do was draw them close to his heart, the heart in which that fire of the Holy Spirit came and settled. And they would sense the warmth of being physically just standing near St. Philip Neri. And their temptations would be washed away. The harassment would disappear. They would be recovering a sense of peace. And so I could go on and on and on. And we point to saints, why? Because when we point to these exemplary, these like standards, these great models for holiness, it can also give us a sense of what is available to us. Do you get that? <laughs> it's funny. John Mark, uh, my son, he says something uh, striking. He said something striking. Uh, the I don't know. He said it somewhat during Lent. Um, we, we sometimes in the current home have uh, a distracted and dispersed family in the evening. So we don't always get to have family prayer with everyone there. But we do pray a rosary in the current home every day. And so sometimes it's just me and John Mark. Sometimes it's just me. Occasionally it's just John Mark. Well, when uh, John Mark and I are there and, and Carrie is going by and it's late, it's later than her bedtime, he'll, he'll say, Mom, do you want to join us? <laughs> and, uh, and then there's the little, Mom, do you want a higher place in heaven? Do you want a higher place in heaven? Or do you want to go to bed? <laughs> and... It's like, is that really what's at stake here? Is that's really what's at stake? Is is the the merit of this sense of um, this sense of uh, God's presence coming into your prayer impacts your soul in a way that will impact your forever, how you live forever. And honestly, we just don't think like that. It's not where our minds go first or second or third. It's just, it just not. So, all right, we start at the beginning of your day, right? The beginning of your day. Can you get up earlier? Can you pray? Well, how do I pray? Can you read your Bible? I don't, I'm not really comfortable reading my Bible. Read the Gospel of Mark. Read the Gospel of the day. Um, you can go on to a simple uh, app like the Divine Office app like I use, 
um, and get a liturgy of the hours, and they'll actually pray the liturgy of the hours with you. It's recorded, and you can play it if you have trouble following it by yourself. Um, get a Bible, get a holy book to read, uh, pray a rosary, right? You can pray a rosary by meditating on the mystery, so it's it's less likely to be just a rote prayer, just repetitive um, saying of the prayers. But sometimes if, if you lose your attention and that's what it is, that's what it is. How about quiet time? Taking some time to be quiet. Now, I know that's hard for many, but that's something that will grow in you. And so I recommend quiet time after maybe taking some time to either read the scriptures or some spiritual reading. Read a, a book that is um, that will feed your soul. If it's hard to read books that are like the classics, like The Imitation of Christ or um, something from St. John of the Cross or St. Teresa of Avila, The Story of a Soul, The Story of a Soul, The Little Flower, Definitely an accessible book. I mentioned the introduction to the devout life. Now it's heavy duty, but it is also accessible. Very, very rich. There are so many books I could mention. Uh, every generation tends to have its books on prayer. And um, Jacques Philippe is one of those authors that has a number of books, uh, very beautiful books on prayer and developing your prayer life, like Searching for and Maintaining Peace. Searching for and maintaining peace is one that covers a lot of the introductory uh, introductory aspects of prayer. Uh, there's another one called Interior Freedom. That one is a bit more profound, to be honest. Very profound book on faith, hope, and love, and and the actions of faith, hope, and love in your spiritual life. Uh, there are the books that are my go-tos that I love to recommend. Heart of the World by Hans Urs von Balthasar is just amazing. An amazing book, Heart of the World by Hans Urs von Balthasar. There's also That Man Is You by Louis Evely, E-V-E-L-Y, another amazing book. In other words, I could go on, but the idea is find spiritual reading that you can also incorporate into your prayer time. Now, why? These are ways for you to nurture, to like sow seeds and water the seeds and, and fertilize uh, the, the, those seeds so that the seeds of faith, the seeds of your relationship with the Lord, where you're learning to trust Him, hope in Him, trust Him, have confidence in Him, and delight in Him, faith, hope, and love, you express those things in your prayer. Something else I find super helpful is journaling. Get a journal and be able to write down, like just write down simple reflections, simple thoughts that come to mind about your relationship with the Lord. And as you advance in that, you might find yourself even attempting to write down things that you're sensing that God is saying to you. Wait a minute, did you just say that? Yes, I did. In your journal, you can not only write down things that you sense that you want to say to God or some insight that you have about the faith or about your own life, but you might even say, Lord, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Lord, what are you saying to me today? Lord, please, I long to receive a word from you today. You're the living God and you see me here and you know me. And Lord, I've read your scriptures. I've let your word permeate my heart. I've sat in silence. And now, Lord, please speak to me like Samuel. Eli said to Samuel in the Old Testament, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And then just write down what comes to you. Just write it down. You'll find an amazing advance in your sense of expectant faith that the Lord is there speaking to you. Back in a minute with more Sound Insight. Welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Curran. So I'm laying out this sense of vocation and a sense of vocation that we all have as the faithful 
of Christ, we all have this vocation to go deeper into our relationship with the Lord and therefore radiate more fully his presence into the world. You see, this is the thread I'm pulling on, I'm tugging on. We see it in profound ways in the consecrated religious who are hidden from the world, but they carry the world with them. And their intercession for us is so powerful that when you're in their presence and they just are singing, not even addressing you, you feel the impact of, of their singing on your life. Well, out of your own prayer will come impact when you speak. Out of your own prayer will come light, radiance when you act. Out, out of your sense of communing with the Lord will come a radiance of just you being there, a joy that overflows, a sense of peace, a sense of calm. This will be your companion or a sense of zeal and urgency, a sense of energy and courageous determination. That can be the spirit that you carry with you as well. Okay, I mentioned healing and I did so for a reason. Because one of the most powerful fruits of your own prayer one of the most powerful ways that the Lord is going to radiate more fully through you into your relationships. Did you hear that? God will use you to radiate and manifest his presence, Jesus Christ's own living presence to your kids, your spouse, your grandchildren, your, your, your uh, friends, neighbors, co-workers, those around you. Jesus Christ will, will, will bring his presence. He'll bring his power through you when you let him heal you. When you let him heal you. When you give Jesus permission to heal you in your prayer time, in your prayer time, do you give him space to heal you? You see, one of the, one of the diminishments that has happened in our tradition is a sense of expectant faith that the Lord is healing today. We, we have a pretty weak faith as a community in general, the, this, the, the church in general. I just don't meet that many Catholics who would, would come up to me and say, I am so excited to see how the Lord is going to heal today. I'm so excited that Jesus Christ, the divine physician, is on the lookout to move today in this world and to continue performing his signs and wonders and his deeds of power to manifest and demonstrate his kingdom in this world. Who talks like that? Who lives like that? Who expects that? A great sadness that we expect so little of the risen Lord Jesus Christ. We expect so little of him when it comes to concrete demonstrations of his power over sin and death, that he's really victorious over sin and death. I think that's because we ourselves have experienced so little healing from the Lord. Now, when we have, if you meet people who talk about the Lord healed me, there's often the rest of the story, which is the Lord healed me. He brought me to the right doctor, had the right appointment, the right medication, the right treatment plan, and I was healed. Thanks be to God, the Lord healed me. But lots of folks can look at that, and what they see is 
so much human intervention of a medical nature and of treatments that it's like, oh, well, yeah, I guess the Lord used the doctors to heal you. The Lord used that medication and that treatment plan to heal you. But this sense of saying, no, no, the living Lord Jesus, he sees me, he heard my cry, he saw my suffering, and he came and he touched my heart, he touched my body, he touched my memory, he touched my imagination, he touched my thinking, he touched my life, and I have been set free. He wants that for you. He wants that for you. I'm, I'm speaking this message today for some reason that a vocation that is yours, how about this? Are you willing to embrace the vocation today, the call today to let the Lord heal you? Give him permission. Give him space. Give him permission and space to heal you. One of my favorite um, titles of the Blessed Mother is Our Lady Untire of Knots. If you've ever seen the picture, it's like a some kind of cloth that has a bunch of knots in it. And on one side, the, the cloth has been straightened out, but there are like all these like really like tough knots, one after the other on the other side. She's untying them as she goes along. And in my experience of praying for healing for myself, praying that the Lord would heal me, learning from those who have had who have healing ministries, and then praying with others for healing. A lot of how the Lord heals, not only, but a lot of how the Lord heals is sort of like the untying of knots. It requires a washing over, a patience, a coming back to slowly start to identify, okay, where's that spot that can be tugged? Where's that spot that is going to begin to be loosened up? That, that spot that then is going to be pulled on a little bit more. And all of a sudden now you're starting to see some, yeah, you know the, the, the end of the tunnel is there and it's going to start getting looser and looser. And pretty soon you'll be able to untie that knot, that knot that was so tight that you didn't think you could get into it. All of a sudden now it has finally been broken free. The Lord does that. Now you, stop, you might say, well, wait a minute. <laughs> is the Lord sort of like limited in his ability to heal us? And the answer is no but let me give it to you this way. We are limited in our ability to receive his healing. We are limited in our ability to receive his healing. Now, sometimes the Lord acts in instantaneous, supernatural, miraculous ways and overcomes all of those limits. But in the concrete experience of praying for healing and watching people be healed and in my own life be healed, it has been much more of that passage from the Gospel of John that I have I bring up regularly when I talk about healing. And that is that the Lord is saying, speak to me, speak to me, unbind me, Lord, and let me go free. Jesus, speak to me the way that you spoke to Lazarus, whom you rose from, raised from the dead. Unbind him and let him go free. Those burial cloths had a bunch of bands of cloths that un, one at a time would have been unbound to allow the main burial cloth to be removed from him. Unbind him and let him go free. That That is a powerful way to be healed. So just I'll give you, I'll give you a couple of areas where the Lord has healed me. 
where he has healed me in an unbind me and let me go free way. The first is with the idea that I had to earn God's love. The idea that I had to earn God's love, that somehow God only loved me if I performed, that somehow the Lord really loved me when I did well. Somehow the Lord's love for me was conditional. It was conditioned on um, my, uh, my actions rather than the Lord's love was constant. My ability to receive it was connected to my actions, but his love was constant, unwavering, ever faithful. And that way of seeing God, the consciousness, the idea in my head that was related to the idea that I had to perform in order to deserve God's love or to be lovable by God, that had to be washed away, washed away, washed away, a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time. And I would come, and so that's what happened is when I would be sitting in prayer, sitting in quiet, and then the Lord would begin to unfold or untie, unbind that sense that I had to deserve and earn God's love. And that was a healing. That's a profound healing. And I mean, I can honestly say, what, 35 years into praying? No, no. How long? 40? Almost 40 years of praying, they unbind me and let me go free, Lord. Uh, There are other layers, other layers to that sense of, uh, you know, I I act like I have to earn God's love. That's just one. Uh, There's another one. Trust. Can I trust the Lord? Lord, can I trust you? Can I allow you to come close to me? So close to me that I'll allow you to open doors in my life, in my heart, in my memory, in my past, where I feel guilt and shame, where I've been wounded and hurt, where I am holding on and I've locked it tight because I don't want to give in. I don't want to give over. I don't want to open up. I don't know how to trust. And it's more than just a matter of saying, Lord, I trust in you. Lord, I trust in you. No, there's healing, deep healing that the Lord wants to accomplish. Are you willing to allow the Lord to heal you today of those places of mistrust in your life? Back in a minute. Welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Kern. It's great to be with you today. Today I'm talking about living out uh, our vocation in the world. Yesterday I talked about the vocation of being a bishop and, and how a bishop is an overseer for the people of God in his, in his diocese and how that's not our call, but our call is to be an overseer of our own life and of the vocation that God has given to us. And, and, and we know what that's like. We know that sense of, um, I want to I be an authentic person and I want to live a meaningful life. I want to live a, a life that you know, people talk in, in a way that's really popular. I want to live um, uh, according to my best self or my best life. Uh, they don't want to just settle for less. They don't want to waste my life um, and have my life be for naught. But then it's so easy to pursue things that are going to just, in the end, turn to dust. 
things that the world puts forward as goals that are worthy to be achieved in in connection to money, fame, and power. And yet we were made for more. We were made for God. And when we focus on that relationship with God, what will happen? We'll begin to radiate God's presence into the world. You want to have an impact on other people's lives? Radiate God's presence into the world. Your family will be blessed. Like, how many times do I have to say this to dads? <laughs> do you want to do you want to bring healing power into your kids' lives? Let the Lord heal you. Do you want to bring the Lord's presence into your kids' lives? Well, pursue the Lord's presence in your own life. Pursue Him with the with the vigor, with the as a priority. Uh, let Him be your focus. Let Him be the one that you desire and and, and seek to. Uh, seek to serve. I mean, come on. What a gift, right? What a gift. So, Chance on Insight, I'm reflecting on this tremendous gift of um, healing that's part of the inheritance that the Lord has for us. And yet, today, we've lost sight of it. It's been crowded out. It's been diminished. It's been set aside. It has been doubted. And in just in most of our lives, we just don't expect we just don't expect that the Lord Jesus Christ, the living Lord, is that attentive, that engaged, that attuned to our sufferings, our pains, our wounds, that he does anything about them. And that we just simply carry the cross and offer it up and wait for heaven or a very long purgatory. No, 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 no. Don't, don't sell the Lord short. Don't sell the Lord short. Bartimaeus cried out when Jesus was passing by. And and people tried to shut him down, shut him up. And he kept crying out louder. And sure enough, what does Jesus do? Calls him and says, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? I want to see. I want to see. We can be blind to so much. Can you pray that today? Lord, I want to see how you want to heal me. Lord, I'm crying out to you. Don't pass by this moment in my life. Don't pass by this moment in this radio program. Lord, don't pass by this moment. You have brought me here. Now I'm crying out to you. Please come close to me. Draw me close to you. And please, Lord, I want to see. I want to see how you can make me see that you have healing for me. I want to experience the healing that you have for my mind, my heart, my memories, my emotions, those wounds physical sufferings. Lord, heal me. Refresh me. Cleanse me. Help me not to settle for less than the fullness of what you have held in my regard, ready to pour forth upon my life, even generationally. Lord, I know that there are generational inheritance of blessings that have been blocked up in the bloodlines of my family tree and the sins and addictions and brokennesses uh, and the demonic uh, bondage that, that can be even associated with my family line. And so, Lord, I just ask that your precious blood would flow through those bloodlines, flow through those bloodlines of my family tree, Lord, to break loose and set free this inheritance of blessings that you've intended to come into my family through my parents and grandparents and great-grandparents all the way up. Lord, set those uh, bloodlines free and release those blessings down into this moment. Yes, let it be so, Lord. Let it be so, Lord. And Lord, for the power that you have already put into my hands in baptism and in confirmation, the Spirit of the living God, the anointed 
uh, the anointed one that I am intended to be, that I am supposed to move with power when power comes from on high upon me, and it has in my confirmation. So be released within me, O Spirit of Pentecost. Be released within me in new ways, O Spirit of Confirmation, so that I would be a conduit, a vessel, a doorway of of your great glory, of your bright presence, of your healing power to be at work in this world. Yes, Lord, that is my vocation. That is my vocation. That is my vocation, Lord, and I want that. I want to be a conduit of healing, of even signs and wonders, of deeds of power to move forward through me into my world, into my family, into my home, into my life. Lord, this is what I want. This is what I desire. And Lord, it can only come from you. But Lord, I make myself available. Lord, I'm showing up at the operating room. I'm showing up, Lord. And Lord, in the silence of my time of prayer, my time in adoration, Lord, that's like me going to surgery. And Lord, I don't want to fall asleep like, anesth- like being anesthetized, but Lord, give me the, the gift of quiet so that you can do your work the way a surgeon works on the patient. That's a beautiful uh, analogy that's been used in our tradition to talk about what the Lord does in the quiet of contemplative prayer is a surgeon. Jesus, the divine physician, performs surgery upon you when you go to adoration. How powerful is that? Okay, I got to I gotta end with the story. John Mark, I should actually get him here. He's 16 years old. We were praying the rosary. Um, this would have been on Monday night, so the Joyful Mysteries, and the fifth Joyful Mystery, he was leading that. And he said, Dad, he said, Dad, I was just thinking about the fifth Joyful Mystery, the finding of the child Jesus in the temple. He said, you know, at the beginning of the finding of the child Jesus in the temple, it's kind of like us going to adoration. It's kind of like us going to the temple, the place where Jesus is. And we're kind of like Joseph and Mary going and seeking after Jesus in his temple, the place where he is to be found in his father's house. And there Jesus will speak to us. But then he said, in adoration, when we are in communication with Jesus, when we're communing with Jesus, we're in that union with Jesus, we then become like Jesus in that mystery. And we become the ones that Joseph and Mary are seeking out. The Blessed Mother and St. Joseph seek us out in adoration because in adoration we are in communion with Jesus and it's there, Jesus in us, that all of a sudden Joseph and Mary are seeking out. Isn't that cool? (laughs) I'm super proud. That was a powerful, powerful comment. I said, I've never heard that before. I mean, I've been reflecting on the, the, the fifth joyful mystery for, again, 35 years at least. And I've never had that insight before. I, you know, I mean, I've had the first one, like I'm like Joseph and Mary, but he, the way he dialed it right into adoration and then flipped it around, oh, that was really beautiful. You know what that is? That's the fruit of prayer. That's the fruit of prayer. And the words that he spoke had impact because they flowed from the communion he had with the Lord in prayer. Isn't that beautiful? I love that. And so that's what I want for you. That's what I want for me. 
I want us to speak and live. I want us to show up and be present in the different situations and relationships, the different settings and circumstances that we have. Every person we meet, every job that we have, every place that we go, we can be walking doorways, portals for the Lord Jesus to show up and to do his healing work. But we won't, we won't be like Peter with the shadow, Paul with the cloth, Philip Neary with the just draw close to me. We won't be like these great saints unless we're spending time with him, unless we're doing some of that work that is the vocation of the cloistered religious, unless we get away in a hidden space and there seek the one who is seeking us. Seek the Lord. Yes, start your day in prayer but go seek him in adoration. Be present to him there and let him do a mighty work of healing. Let him do a mighty work of unbinding you and setting you free. And the more that you experience his healing power, the more that your expectant faith that what he has done for you, in you, is what he also can do through you to others. Yes, indeed, through you to others. Because it's not necessarily that you're going to end up laying hands and praying on people and your shadow will fall and people will become healed. But I tell you what, when you come into an environment where you are radiating the peace of the Lord— Sometimes you're going to drive away the demonic like Jesus did. Sometimes you're going to bring peace into circumstances that are conflictual. Sometimes you're going to bring a sense of communion where there's a sense of dissonance and destruction. Sometimes you're going to bring light where there's darkness. You're going to bring freedom where there's bondage. You're going to bring faith where there's doubt. You're going to bring hope where there's despair. You're going to bring love and delight where there's a sense of hatred. This is what you can do because Jesus will be so alive in you that he'll radiate that forward into those that you're with. I hope that you found this to be a blessing today. I was being a theologian, fulfilling my vocation. God bless your day. Join me tomorrow for more Sound Insight.